Podcast One. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. While many marketers are scrambling with huge cuts and shutdowns that have decimated marketing teams, our guest today is dealing with the exact opposite. Lisa Ronson is CMO at Coles. I think your very first signal that you picked up on well before a lot of the the government initiatives were rolling out uh, around consumer behaviour and how that was about to dramatically shift was was in a meeting um, you had uh, in around Tin Tuna. It turned out to be quite accurate and let's have a chat about what that did for your your thinking and that was was some time ago, maybe two months ago. Just talk us through that first moment where you thought, okay, there's something brewing here, Lisa Ronson. Oh, thanks, Paul. Uh, yeah, it was it was about that time we have our normal Monday trade meeting and the grocery buyer was talking about her sales of tin tuna and, you know, still being relatively new, almost a year in the job now. I said, well, is it a better price or what's happening? And she said, no, I've, I've had it at that price before. And, and it was more of just a gut feel. I, I sort of Question to a couple of people sitting to my left and right, mm, I hope people aren't starting to kind of do the doomsday prepping. And it was more of a probably an offhand remark back then, but it sort of just stuck with me. And, I, you know, I thought, oh, I hope it doesn't come to people getting really worried about things and, and start loading up their pantry because there was a lot, obviously, in the media with what was going on in China. So I, I guess to answer the question, it was it was more of a gut feel back then. Early, mid-Feb, late-Feb, when was that? Probably third week of Feb. Right. And right. then we saw, you know, the the first of the um, big hoarding items of being the toilet paper, which is fairly well documented. That was around the first week of March, about the fourth, the third, fourth of March. Right. And so... What happened in the in the coming week or two weeks after that tuna scenario, doomsday tuna, it might catch on. What did you do as a result? What shifted in the marketing? What did you start to do and how radically and how quickly did you start to change things up? Well, it was interesting. We're at Stephen Kane's leadership offsite and we were out at Beechworth because we had uh, a sort of pledge to regional Australia that where we could, as a leadership team, we would get out and support those areas most affected by the bushfires. So here we were in in Beechworth and um, things were going crazy in terms of toilet paper. And so we very quickly pivoted to getting communications out because we had to limit the, the, the number of packs of toilet paper and a few other items like paper towels, tissues initially. Um, and then it moved into the food products like pasta and rice and flour and sugar. But our communications, as I said, shifted to you can. we've got restrictions on products, you can only buy this much and please be kind to our team members because consumers were getting really anxious and in some cases taking it out on the closest person to them, which was often a Coles team member. So it was really interesting from a comms point of view, things changed within the matter of days to start getting these types of functional, more community service type comms out there to let everybody know, let Australians know what was happening and what they could and couldn't buy. So that was a really interesting thing to do as a marketer to 
ask people not to buy things. I guess you'd like a lot, everyone really, everything that you were planning and had been planning for, for this year in, in previous months and even sort of probably starting last year, everything would have had brakes put on it, right? You would have had to change everything up. How, how, how deep and wide did it go? Yeah, we had to change everything up um, through the course of that week, actually. We had to look at, because we've got a set marketing calendar that we've um, spent, you know, the last year working on to get a, a further forward view out. And that goes up to 18 months out and it's based on season, it's based on events and the normal things that you would imagine it's based on. And so we had to look at the day by day, what we had planned for the coming week and shift all of our messaging pretty much to be on the spectrum. It was the the more emotive type messaging that we would normally do around Cole's brand and the seasons and those events that I referred to was about Curtis saying thank you to our team members uh, for you know, persevering during this time and working so hard and serving their communities and serving the country and doing that. And then the at the other end of the spectrum, it's the more rational, functional kind of customer service type messaging that I mentioned around limits and hygiene in stores and um, washing your hands before coming to the store, be kind to our team members, those types of, of messages. And, and also, you know, more broadly from a Coles point of view, recruitment. We've put on um, almost 8,000 new jobs in the last four weeks and we're looking for another four to 5,000. So all of our messaging out to the, to the Australian community really radically changed. It's, it's fascinating. Your messaging's changed. Are your volumes and your budgets, are they up, down, unchanged? Where do they sit in, in, on the spectrum? Largely unchanged, but the messages and the channels that we're using are quite different because obviously depending on what message we're trying to get out there, we're shifting into different channels and we're doing completely different things based on the insights that my insights and research team are generating daily and they're working with all of our partners that be media partners like the likes of Google in terms of what people are searching for and concerned about and we're also working with our creative agencies they're getting a lot of great insights globally because they're you know a lot of the markets are a few weeks ahead of us so we're trying to use those insights where we can to feed into our our messaging and our communications out to our customers the one thing that makes all of this probably slightly easier, said in a very hard environment, is we've got we've got and had a very clear purpose, and that's to sustainably feed all Australians to help them lead happier and healthier lives. And because of that, it always comes back to that. So that leads all of our, our behaviours, what we're doing in the community, and also our communications messages. One of the things you've you've done very quickly is develop a campaign that's on air at the moment with with chefs cooking from home that came out of some consumer insight as well in terms of when people cook and when or when they plan for their meals but talk us through this is a very quickly produced campaign that we've seen seen on television at the moment how did that come about well we had the insight that they you know our customers had a lot of uh, pasta, rice, flour, sugar, all the things I've, I've mentioned in their pantry, which are all items that you use to cook from scratch. But there wasn't a, a broad knowledge of how to cook from scratch like maybe our grandmothers would have had. So we quickly worked with a number of uh, chefs and home cooks to pull together this What's for Dinner campaign, which is a two and a half minute piece that goes to air 
every night during the seven news and the chefs just film it on their iPhones, like the classic shot on iPhones. And we're working with the broadest sort of spectrum of chefs that we've ever worked with at Coles, which is great because that's an industry that's really been affected. And, you know, to the point I made before about hiring all those new uh, casuals, we're looking to go to the industry that, that are the most affected. And obviously the restaurant game is severely affected. And, you know, some of these chefs were more than happy to do it. And we've got a great lineup in there. We've got Curtis, obviously. He's He's been so great through all of this. I mean, I can't say what a great ambassador he's been in, in terms of being proactive, thanking our team, you know, doing the what's for dinner. He's done a couple now. The one last night was particularly good. Luke Mangan, Matt Stone, Joe Barrett, uh, Courtney Rolston and, and Michael, who are our master chefs that work for Coles uh, quite consistently. We've got Kylie Miller. We've got, you know, Darren Purchase. There's just so many of them, but um, I won't say them all so that you watch it every night. Yes, that's right. And and how are they landing though? Do you see any link to product take up on this stuff that's been featured? Yeah, we do. We're, we're getting a, a great take up because I think our customers are looking for inspiration and new things to cook because whilst we all have our usual repertoires that we go back to, it's at this time when we've got the time, we want to try out different things. And so it's those insights that came to what's for dinner. And then just in general, we're publishing a lot more food content through our social channels, recipes on our websites. There's a real hunger for, yeah, bad pun, but there's a real hunger for that type of information uh, at the moment. And, you know, we've got a real role, role to play in that, obviously, back to our, our brand purpose. So that one's on 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 Seven News. Uh, talk through, you, you know, the changes in your in your media mix, your channel mix. What's been up weighted, down weighted? What do you think's working? You know, there's obviously some sectors that are that are hit by uh, by audience movement. What is it? What does your media mix look like now, Lisa? Versus what it was a couple of months ago? Well, we're still using the same channels, just using them in a different way. So for TV, we're working very very closely with all of the the networks as we normally do anyway, but probably a little bit more closely because there's the produced content, which is produced, albeit in a different way to what we normally would. So Curtis thanking our team members, our partners and our suppliers for all of their hard work during this time. That's on TV at the moment. Plus we're working with all of the networks on how we can get messages out there to our customers that we've got enough toilet paper, we've got enough stock, just buy as you would normally buy. And my colleague, our chief operating officer, has been doing a lot of that sort of media to get those messages out there to make the community feel a little bit more comfortable about what we've got in store and what they can expect when they get into store. So they've all been terrific at that. Uh, obviously, sport. We signed on as a major partner of the AFL and announced that earlier this year. That's you know dramatically changed. So we're swapping out content, and that's what we did with Channel 7. Uh, MasterChef's coming up uh, starting on Monday night, so we're really looking forward to that. And we've been working really closely with Nine on, you know, our thank you messages and um, getting some great content out there. And then obviously we're working with news very closely with our thank you campaign, thanking members of the community who are doing really selfless acts and lovely things for the community and also profiling some of our great team members that, you know, are doing also wonderful things in the community on a day-to-day -day basis. So, we're working with all of our great partners and Facebook and Google, obviously, with insights and, and content, but with very different messages. And some are more suited, obviously, newspapers are very suited to uh, the functional messages around what we're doing in store, what to expect when you get to store. 
also our thank you messages, so the emotive as well, but they all are working together in a different mix to what we typically would, but to get those messages really landed in the community. Well, it's interesting you, you talked about print sort of making and being quite strong at the moment and serving a purpose. Why for you is that? I think because people are really looking to them. They're going out and getting their morning coffee or getting out and about for some exercise and picking up the paper on their their way back home and they're looking to to newspapers um, and, and TV for trusted news and that's a good place for us to put our messages in because you know, newspapers are very trusted, TV is very trusted media. So it makes sense for us to be there when we're trying to communicate things that are changing on a week by week and sometimes day by day basis as we are an essential service. You are allowed to go out to go to your supermarket and buy food or go to the shops to buy food. So we have to keep our customers informed and they've got a, we're finding from the calls into our call centre and the questions going to our social channels that there's a large demand for the right information from Coles right now. We had a conversation with Stuart Tucker from High Pages, who you know has been big on investing in brand, but he talked recently about how it's now gone probably 20% brand, 80% performance for High Pages in trying to drive trading jobs, and there's some good progress happening there for High Pages. Um, Suncorp CMO is very strong behind brand, um, Mim Hasem, that is, very strong behind brand and, and sort of pulling back on performance. Where do you sit in that you've talked about demand uh, and performance versus brand and emotion and ration and rational messages, what's driving your mix and, and how you decide what sort of messaging is going to be serving what purpose? Well, it has to be both is, is the answer because we've got a very unique role in the community and Australia at the best of times. And in times like this, it's probably even more pronounced um, given that we are one of the essential services and it's important to keep keep the hope, if you like, and have some joy. And so you'll see us talking about Easter and hot cross buns and um, Easter eggs and Easter hunts and things like that and what to cook around Easter, even though it's going to be a very different Easter this year. So having those emotional messages around the event of Easter and the, and the time of Easter. And then, as I mentioned before, Curtis saying thank you and us saying thank you to our team members uh, because the community wants to see that because in store, you know, I've worked in store a lot over the last five weeks and there's a, a huge cohort of customers that just say thank you. So that emotional piece is really important, but then also the rational in, in terms of the messages I've already talked about, which I've referred to more community service announcements, but then also our specials and our promotions and you know, trying to help lower the cost of everyday living for Australians on the items that they want. So in the course of this week, the the salmons and the prawns and the as the hot cross buns, uh, the Easter eggs, the um, Easter confectionery and things like that that are really relevant to them now, even in the tough times that we're in, and making sure that we've we've got those well promoted and well priced so that we can that everyone can have a great Easter. 
Do you still see sort of breakouts in discretionary income in in, in store? So yes, we're 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 running to the uh, the toilet paper aisle and the paper towels and and rice and flour. Are you, are you seeing uh, significant movement in the sorts of products that people are buying? And are they splashing out, or are they really starting to pull back and 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 contain the close the wallet? It's a combination of both, Paul. And I think you you might have heard our CEO and even me talk about sort of the two speed economy that was taking place of those Australians are finding it really tough and increasingly so, and those the growing affluence in in Australia. And I think those things are still apparent, and so it depends on where some of our stores are located. But we, we are seeing a combination of both. People are, I think, really thinking about value, and that doesn't change. And so the way that we talk about value hasn't changed through through all of this. But we're mindful that there's some people that will increasingly be doing it maybe tougher than what they were doing it a month ago. And then also having, you know, the treats and, you know, the, the, the things in store that a certain cohort of customers want to buy. But we're seeing a general lift in, in most products on the shelves at the moment. Um, you know, it went from the rice, the pasta, the flour to, to meat, and that was pretty well publicised, particularly mints because there's a lot of things you can do with mints and you can freeze it. So that's one of the other insights that we found as well. People are looking for recipes that they can freeze so that they can really not eat the same thing for three days on the hop, which we might do typically because they're wanting that variety and that that kind of more versatility in the evening meal because it's such an important part of every day. But the other product categories are, are, are starting to follow suit, are they? They're on the rise in, 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 in volume? Yeah, they are. Most most product categories are. And, and look, in a way, we are through our supply chain, we're, we're, we're changing our supply chain to meet the demand. So having full pallets of toilet paper going into stores um, and full pallets of paper towel and tissues and um, sanitizer, cleaning products, those sorts of things. Whereas, you know, we maybe send a, a mixed palette of different products into a store. We're now doing full pallets of those things. And in some areas, we may have fewer, a smaller range to make sure that we can meet the demand of, say, a pasta or a rice. But look, we're starting to see things normalize more so than they were at its peak probably two weeks ago. Um, but the supply the supply chain still has has dramatically changed because we've effectively been doing a Christmas every day for five weeks now, and we normally have six months to prepare for Christmas from a from an inventory point of view and a, a stock movement point of view. But you know we've been working really closely with the government throughout this throughout the the last five weeks and. They've been great in relaxing things like curfews on when our trucks can deliver to our stores. So that's made things like that much easier because, I mean, at the peak of it, we were shifting 15 million more toilet rolls every single week than we normally would. And whilst we knew there was enough toilet paper in Australians, most Australians' homes, we still had to keep up with with the demand and also make allowances so that those that couldn't get into to store to shop every day like you know, some of our elderly, some of our more vulnerable customers, we created Coles Community Hour, which is the first hour of trade every day between seven and eight. And Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays, it's for the elderly and the disabled and their carers. And Tuesdays and Thursdays, it's for our healthcare workers, our doctors, our nurses, our police, our SES, all of those people that um, are working really, really hard to keep us safe, but can't get into store, you know, at, at 
you know, different the times of the day that they typically would. So listen, when you talk about um, you've seen some purchasing behaviour start to normalise across the various categories in the supermarket, what should we read into that in terms of the mind and mood of the consumer and, and, and what's going on? Is it, is it just, is it a blip or is it sort of a signal that people are coming to terms with what they've got in front of them? I think it's a couple of things, Paul. I think they're seeing that their pantries are full, their freezers are full, and they're also, you know, some of the messaging I was talking to you about before that we're working uh, particularly with the TV networks on is, you know, when our chief operating officers in a, one of our distribution centres saying, we've got enough stock to shop as you would normally shop, and he's standing in front of full pallets of toilet paper and the things that people are worried about, I think that's starting to resonate and give people comfort that if they just calm down a bit and shop as they normally shop, it will be okay. Because the interesting thing is I, I get a lot of feedback and we get a lot of feedback through our uh, research and what we do with our customers is there's a certain comfort when they walk into their supermarket and the shelves are stocked. The other thing I think it's, you, you mentioned is quite interesting, Lisa, is uh, you've split your marketing team into two. You've got a COVID team and a post or and a team focused on post-COVID. We do a lot of talking at the moment around coronavirus and the impacts. Let's talk about what your post-COVID team are thinking about, you know, and working on down the track because it's you've got to have that on the on your radar. But it's all encompassing now. You've got to have it on your radar. What are they thinking about? Well, they're thinking about uh, to that marketing calendar that I talked about before. They're thinking about what's coming up. What what are the seasons? What are the events? What's still going to be relevant to talk to our customers about? What's not relevant into the future to talk to them about? Or what might seem not sensitive or not empathetic to the times and looking you know, further afield at events such as Christmas and those sorts of things. Because being the eternal optimist that you know I am, hopefully we're going to come out of this a lot quicker than some estimates from overseas because we've got on it, I think, more quickly than some countries overseas. Hopefully we'll come out of this and we'll, we'll need to have a strong plan stacked up and ready to go for some of those events. But as I said before, we're still, we're still marketing the events, albeit in a slightly different way, but we'll still have specials and promotions and trying to lower the cost of some of the big events coming through over the next six to 12 months. Mm. How, and how are, you, how are you managing, how are you and your team managing, even with your agency partners, your production partners, media and so forth, where it's all remote, uh, there's not a lot of meetings going on. Does it make it more difficult to, to do this whole process? How have you found it? Yeah, look, it's, it's a, it is a bit more difficult. And to that end, I've had a small team in the office most days and we're swapping around so we're not all in the office on the same days. But when we're on deadline, it, it is hard to do that remotely day after day after day after day. It just makes it more difficult for the team. So we're, you know, maintaining our social distancing and all those sorts of things, but we're doing it in the office and our partners are doing it from their homes. And we're just doing a lot more, like all of us, video conferences, WebEx, um, all those sorts of things to just keep the communication up so everyone knows what they need to get on with for the course of the day and what they need to deliver but we're just doing it in a in a different way. A lot of texts, a lot of WhatsApps. You know, we're I guess we're fortunate in we've got the means of communication to be able to to do it. The team, you know, look, they're a bit tired. Um, they've worked every day for that that period. We're starting to give people days off because they need them, and you know, but we're not complaining. We 
all feel very privileged because um, a lot of my CMO sort of colleagues in the industry at the moment are having very different discussions and we're very mindful of that and we're whilst we're always grateful to work for Coles, particularly now, serving our purpose, you know, every day is we feel we feel very, very privileged to be doing what we're doing. Hey, look, I'm, I have to catch you on this because you've, you've referenced, referenced it a couple of times. There, there are some people who are saying, you know, this, this coronavirus globally changes everything in terms of consumer behaviour, expectations, psychology, what happens, to, you know, six months out, does our attitude towards discretionary spending and what we, what we spend on change? Are we going to be more frugal, sober-minded and so forth? Now, people like um, the rather rowdy Mark Ritson says uh, in, his, in, his, in his way that that's all he calls bullshit on that and nothing will change. Consumers will, you know, revert to their very long and established behaviours uh, in 12 to 18 months. Yes, we'll hit a recession, he says, but people won't change uh, fundamentally. Where, where do you sit on that psychology of this being such a dramatic and huge thing, both economically and socially? Do you do you see any shifts or are they just around the edges? I definitely see shifts. I, th- I see, particularly looking at the supermarket category, I think a lot of the generation that we're living in haven't been through anything like this before. And I think it's really hit people very hard, which is why you've seen some of the scenes that you have in fighting over things like toilet paper. I mean, who would have thought that at the beginning of the year? So I think that will make people more cautious, more cautious in what they buy, when they buy it. I think they will hold more stock. They might buy more fresh more frequently. I think they'll look locally at locally produced produce and products in general. I do think there'll be some fundamental shifts not to the degree that maybe some people are are saying because we are I do agree with Mark and that we are human and we'll go back to very well entrenched behaviors but I think there there will be some changes in the way that Australians deal with the supermarket category on a day-to-day basis and how they view that category on a day-to-day basis so I'm guess I'm looking at it in a product, sort of a micro way, whereas Mark's looking at it in a macro way. Yeah, but I, I might just I, I have to ask you though, you would think in if you think about your old uh, portfolio at Tourism Australia and what you're doing there. I mean, crikey, that's that's just been um, hit after hit, hasn't it? But um, you you if you look at what's been happening uh, in and around travel and airline travel and overseas travel, there'll be a bit of change going on there for a little while in in the mind of the consumer, wouldn't there? I think so. I, I think we'll all think twice about where we do meetings and things like that. Um, I think there'll be a much greater acceptance from about working from home and being the chief of kind of flexibility at Coles. That, that's a good thing. I think people will just be a lot more relaxed about things like kids in the background. And that's what I tell my team. I'm, I said, look, don't get anxious when your kids are running around. It doesn't matter. Um, don't get stressed about that. There's, there's a lot of other things to, to focus on. Uh, so I think things will change in that regard. I mean, for tourism, for Australian tourism, I'm hoping that we'll want to get out and explore our backyard a lot more. I think Australia will continue to be or maybe increase in its appeal for international tourists and wanting to see things like the outback and places that you just can't replicate anywhere else in the world. So I think people will they'll be desperate to tour around Australia when we sort of come out of this. So I think tourism will bounce back. It will take time, but there's some very talented operators in that industry and some, you know, some great tourism bodies at a state and federal level that um, 
it will bounce back and probably bounce back and be better. It will probably reflect a much stronger desire to uh, to shop, think and travel local, do you think? Oh, absolutely. People will want to just jump in the car and go away for a weekend because they weren't able to do that in East, at Easter in 2020. People will remember those things and just want to get out more, probably get out and camp more with their kids and just be in the outdoors and have the ability to do that. I think there'll be a much greater um, demand for those type of experiences and and local and domestic experiences to see more of the country. I'd imagine you're more a glamper than a camper, Lisa Ronson. Paul McIntyre. Yes, I am. I called it. <laughs> Two more questions and we'll let you go. The, 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 the second last one is in the middle of all this, you, you, you appointed and had a bit of an agency review process going on. What were you thinking there? I take it you had it in train much earlier than when the crisis kicked, but what, what are you trying to do there? It's not the right time to do an agency pitch. I just felt that would be an unfair thing to do to the industry to get people to pitch on on coals whilst they're you know, working from home and that sort of thing. So uh, rather than do that, I just went to my, my bench, if you like, my financial services roster, and I added the two that were on there, TBWA and DDB, onto the supermarket roster, and Big Red will still take the lead. But given the volume of communication that we're doing at the moment, we needed the additional resources. And I, as I said, I didn't want to do a pitch because I didn't think that was right. So I went to our existing agency roster who are excellent agencies and they will help us through this period and, and beyond. And was that what the primary driver was and it was just to cope with volume or is it there's a broader strategic play that will play out later on? And I won't ask you to give away everything, but I'll try. <laughs> At the moment, it's to cope with volume. There's just to the COVID team and the non-COVID team, I needed to replicate that within the agencies largely as well. Hey, so you did mention financial services, which is under your remit, and that's a really interesting one, right? Because that's quite a contrast to to the supermarkets business. And what's different about that? Trying to sell, I guess, Coles car insurance, not a high priority for people at the moment, or are they? there's always someone in market having to renew? It's probably not as high priority as it typically would, but different insurances will obviously come into play at different times throughout this crisis. So it's probably the more of a reactive play at the moment rather than a proactive play. So the financial services team are working across their own initiatives and also helping out supers as well. So again, it's a sort of COVID team, non-COVID team, and everyone focused on on what we have to get out the door today, tomorrow and next week. I'll let you get back to your aisles in a second, but finally, you're on the board of the AANA. What thoughts do you have for your, your, your marketing industry peers and other CMOs that are either in a similar position to Coles and that there is a lot of activity happening or on the other side where it's absolutely decimated. But overall, uh, any thoughts for what marketing should be staying focused on, doing, thinking about during this and on the exit? Absolutely. I think it's a high level of collaboration between us because none of us have been through this before and we're all experiencing this COVID, ongoing COVID issue in, in very different ways you know, we've got both Coles and Woolworths on the AANA board and it's interesting we've been collaborating with Woolworths and IGA and Aldi and Foodworks because we've been doing joint communications around safety of our team members, safety of our customers, um, opening hours, online services and things like that. And that's something we would never normally do, but the ACCC... I was going to say that's unprecedented, isn't it? It it is, and the ACCC have given us permission to be able to do that, which has been great because 
our customers and Australians are looking for leadership in our category and for us joining together is a very powerful message. But but more broadly, marketing, we're just keeping in touch. Every, I've had so many messages from people just checking in to say, are you okay? Do you need a hand? Um, if we can do anything to help. And I think that level of camaraderie has just been really, really lovely and um, just really nice. I mean, we all tend to get along really well and it, just a helping hand and uh, someone to have a chat to or bounce something off is really inf- from an informal point of view has been really terrific. Lisa Ronson, great to chat and, and quite quite insightful on some of those things that are happening with, with uh, customers and, and what you're doing with the business. Uh, stay safe and I'm sure we'll loop around in a couple of months for a, a, an update on, on how things are tracking. Uh, thanks for joining. No problem, Paul. Anytime. Stay safe and happy Easter. MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's moi in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Nick Slater, music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au or search MI3 Audio Edition on Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button.